had the first league game uh, down at Wanstead Rugby Club. Hopefully you don't cut this out. Uh, yeah. We spoke about Wanstead last week. I gave you a shout out. Char cut it out. Got a new uh, new prime minister. Yeah, I remember you saying about that. I didn't. I don't even know when did she get when did she get picked. Lunchtime, Lunchtime today. today. Oh, I'm not that far behind. The, the the voting finished Friday, um, but for some reason they were only only announced it today lunchtime. Um, so yeah, I thought she'd win. You don't really follow politics. No. Not at all. Not at all. I like to I like to stay up to date with it. I think it matters. They're all as bad as each other, but I do stay up to date with it. I thought she would win. Do you know who she is, Liz Truss? No. Do you know Rishi Sunak? Yeah, I know Rishi because <laughs> I see a video when he was on um, oh, it was like Good Morning Britain or something and they're talking about McDonald's breakfast and he mentioned something that ain't been on the menu for like 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, I think he's high profile because he's the one that did all the eat out to help out during COVID. He was the one who made furlough. He was like one of Boris's cabinet members. And he's very high profile, and I think a lot of people thought he'd win because of that. But um, I must say, having watched a few of the debates and stuff, I, he, I thought he came across terribly. I Before before I started w- watching the debates and stuff, I always had thought Rishi Sunak would be the next Prime Minister anyway, at some point. Um, but w- watching the debates, I thought he came, around, came across as a pompous, arrogant twat, to be honest. Uh, there'd be in debates, she'd get asked questions, he would just then speak over her and start answering the question that's been directed towards her. And she would she didn't get involved in the argument stuff. She'd just go like, wait for him to finish and then go like, anyway, and then answer a question. And I thought like, actually, that's really good how she's not been drawn into that tit for tat. They're childish, a lot of the politicians, aren't they? And he, I thought he just came across horrifically um, like a typical Labour MP, actually. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought he'd lose. And um, yeah, he did. Yeah. It wasn't even that close either. I think the votes they read out was something 84,000 votes to her, 60,000 to him or something. So in that aspect of a pool of 140,000 people, that's not really close. 20,000 more votes. Um, so I think, yeah, she quite comfortable. You actually, this wasn't like, a, this wasn't a public vote, was it, this one? No, so you have to, um, when one of the political parties has a, person step down or there's a vote of no confidence like there was for Boris the Conservative Party members basically vote for the next Prime Minister so there was like eight applicants at first um, and they whittle it down until the final two which was obviously Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak and all members basically vote so that's like MPs um, not just MPs and people who work for the Conservative Party but just people who are members maybe donors like Rees Boss um, is a Conservative Party member so he got to vote he got an email through saying um, follow this link or whatever to vote for your choice so literally any party member got to vote um, about only about 60 spoiled ballots so, so, so a spoiled ballot it happens in actual elections as well so it's what a lot of, a lot of people who vote but don't want to vote for Conservative Labour, you can spoil your ballot um, and you basically just... Spoiling your ballot is just not voting properly. You don't tick one of the boxes, you can write on it, you can leave it blank and it's a spoiled ballot. You're making a point saying, I don't want any of these people, basically. Um, so only 60 of those were spoiled ballots and then, yeah, Liz Trust was most of them. She wants to freeze energy bills, though. Freeze? So- Freezes in, don't make them go up, like yeah. keeping them at the same. Yeah, and Rishi was very much saying, he was attacking that, saying it's going to put us into a recession as a company and it's going to mean that our kids in future have to pay back these debts, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, but I mean, that's the same thing he did with furlough and eat out to help out and stuff. All the money that we borrowed during COVID has to be paid back years later. It's, it is what it is. I thought he came across as a bit of a hypocrite. New Prime Minister, hopefully she does what she says she's going to do. They never seem to, of course. Do you know what? As much as I don't follow politics, you know, like, I feel throughout my lifetime, since I've been old enough to understand, like, what goes on in the world, nothing changes. <laughs> How long's that been? Probably about a couple of years. Um, but, like, nothing changes. You get new politicians in, all these promises made. And it's like the whole thing whole thing with Brexit and all of that, when it all happened, I haven't noticed a big enough change in my day-to-day life for it to be like worth all of this, all the commotion that it caused. And like, fair enough, maybe it affects people at different ends. Like if you live in like poverty or you're like, you've got massive businesses that are affected by all of these like import-export stuff and that. But yeah, I just kind of feel like... It was, it was fear-mongering. Um, I, I, like I voted, I voted Remain at the time, because it was drummed into us that from a business perspective the country would be worse off, blah blah blah. Um, so I voted Remain for that reason. But then after the nation voted Leave, I thought, right, that's it. That's what democracy is. You voted for something; it has to happen. Um, so I then started agreeing. Right, we need to leave. It needs to happen. Even though I'd voted Remain, I thought it needs to happen now. And yeah, what 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 have what has happened? We've had to strike up new trade deals with countries we didn't have before. It's not really left us that worse off financially. Um, rather than having the free trade through the EU, we still trade in the EU, but I think Boris set up new um, trade deals with like the US and places like that and Australia, which we didn't really have before. So what we've lost, we've just found it in a different place. Um, but politics at the moment is... If there was a any sort of decent opposition at the moment... I think Conservatives would be out at the next election. Mm. Out. Like that. I think if there was any decent... But I just think at the moment, like Labour, I think would do worse. And I think they... Even though Conservatives have done so badly... And at the next election, I'll just vote an independent. That's what I did last time. I voted for an independent person running who got a few hundred votes. What's that? Is that like Green Party? And no, no. No, no. No, an independent is someone who's basically not any party. So not even one of the smaller parties. It's just an independent member of your community that basically runs to be the MP for your area. Oh, I can do it. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I, th- I guess you could. <laughs> I got some good policies. It's the same as the London mayor election. You know, you get all those twats like ne- that YouTuber Nico. He ran that Count Binjuice. He runs every year. Like I think you could, anyone can pretty much run. So I voted, I think, last time for an independent just because I thought if someone like that, if they actually got in, they would actually try and do something for that community because they actually live there. They're just a normal person. Um, so I'll probably do that next time as well. But if there was any sort of opposition, I think the Conservatives would be out. But Labour are just so poor. And I can't see bloody Keir Starmer or last time it was Jeremy Corbyn. You know, like it just... Yeah, I feel like they're the lesser of two evils, but the public's pissed off though. What do you think about, obviously you don't really follow politics, but you've obviously, you must have heard about all the the Downing Street parties that Boris had, you know, like, uh, was it Dominic Cummings or whoever it was? One of the members broke lockdown rules to go and visit family members, which was the exact thing oh. that thingy the government were telling us not to do i think that was cummings then you've got hancock that cheated on his wife during the pandemic because um, <laughs> that makes a difference <laughs> no, but, no but 
because of the whole could they were preaching like i've seen memes of it they're preaching about keeping a safe distance and he was caught on cctv in his office snogging a bird he was having an affair with during the height of covid when they're telling you keep two meters away from everyone like yeah. just shit like that like i don't I don't pers- I assume you've seen all of that, right? Even though you don't follow, you will have seen that sort of shit on the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah I saw that. So, what, so what are your thoughts on that? Um, do you know what? I think, yeah, it's fair enough. They were the people saying do it all, but everyone was fucking doing it. Like, literally everyone. I say everyone. There obviously were some people that weren't, but got to a point where it was, yeah, I think fucking like everyone was trying to push their luck. They just happened to get caught doing it. Mm. And that's, and that's my thing as well, is that's exactly my standpoint on it. I don't actually give a crap about any of it because I just thought I did it myself. I saw my family, I had my family around. Friends, we didn't see each other as much because what can you do if you can't go down the pub? But like family, Ree's family obviously have the bar at the end of their garden, which you've seen a few times. Like we would go down there for nights and treat it as if we were going out to the pub. Like we, we all sort of breach stuff like that. But what I do understand is there are people who had, say, elderly relatives in ICUs or in old people's homes that they actually weren't allowed to visit. And I understand fully why why those people would be pissed off at the people who enforced those rules, you know, how many people had loved ones that died on their own in an old people's home and weren't allowed visitors and they had to say their goodbyes on FaceTime and stuff. From that perspective, the people who set those rules are breaking them. So I do understand the annoyance. Yeah, I suppose it comes as... um I don't you obviously you only saw pictures and that but even from the pictures it did it did look like they weren't exactly fair enough that um Matt is it Hancock or Hancock Hancock um he was on the uh Bartlett yeah I know yeah I see that uh I I only watched a little bit I didn't really enjoy that one but um yeah in that sense like looking at the pictures and that people weren't like sitting on each other's laps and it almost looked like because people were still allowed to go to work during these times. No, Although it was work from home if you can, no one had to. Like you said, Ree's mum didn't make... It was all, like it was almost like it was just as if they were working into an office together, which they were, and they'd gone in... You wouldn't have that same opinion if they'd gone outside to have a fag break and they all just happened to be outside at the same time having a fag break. It was because they were having drinks and things like that. Um, yeah, like I said, I thought everyone was doing... I think a lot of people were doing it a lot more people than would let on were doing it. Cool. And they were just blowing off a little bit of steam probably after it probably very, very stressful times. I'm not saying it was right, no. but I'm also saying that, yeah, right. they just should have been stupid enough to get caught. Yeah. yeah, and they're humans at the end of the day. Yeah. And I'm sure it was a tough job for a lot of them to try and navigate the nation through the, the pandemic. Not that I, you know, fuck them. Like, they, they fuck up a lot of stuff. They lie about stuff. I know that, but... I don't imagine it was an easy job that all of us could have done navigating the country through a pandemic. So the fact that they had a bit of red wine in the garden, I just think, yeah, fine. There's a drama coming out about that whole, I thought it was a parody at first. Um, genuine. I was watching the advert and it's got, you know, Kenneth Branagh. He, he's an actor. I don't know if you, you, Harry Potter too. Yeah. You know, um, Gilderoy Lockhart. No. You know, the, Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher in the second Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. The twat, the twat with long, you know. Um, he, anyway, he he's Boris, but he wears like a, almost like a bit of a fat suit and like he looks strange. And I thought it was a parody and a, a comedy, but apparently it's a serious drama on Sky Atlantic about um, the pandemic, going into lockdown, stuff like that. 
So it actually looked quite good. I might give it a watch, but I don't know if it. So I wanted to see the three day bender at Downing Street. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no, new new prime minister who dis, you know. Hopefully something improves under her. Um, can't get much worse at the moment. I feel. Oh, do you know what I was saying just a minute ago? It's the fact that like you just don't see things change. It's like people they put all these promises in. Oh, this will happen. We'll make living so much better. We'll do this. We'll do that. Fuck all changes. It, like since like since I can't remember God knows when house prices constantly go up. It's more expensive to just live in general. The wages don't go up. I'm I'm just, like I'm assuming governments have some sort of impact on this. But yeah, it's harder to get mortgages. It's fuck all actually seems to become much better over time. They do things. I mean, the government has a say, obviously, over the minimum wage, shit like that. Um, They've done things. I do think they've done things to make houses more affordable and stuff. It's just not enough. Like they take away the stamp duty tax for a certain period of time and then put it back on. So it's like, okay, if you if you buy your house in that three months six months perfect but if you can't then it's ruined and they brought in uh when my brother and his wife got their flat in greenwich um they had brought in a the deposit they'd lowered the deposit you have to have a 10 percent deposit typically at least to buy houses and they had reduced that to five percent so a lot more people could then afford to put down a deposit somewhere um and they actually bought their house their flat in a period where the stamp duty was gone and they could put down five percent so it made it easier but again, it's not like they do these things all the time. It's just a certain period of time. And then if, you, if you, you're not within that window, um, then it's no good to you. But I think not, not enough is done. But I don't know how you'd go about making, like with the cost of living stuff, um, st- inflation's going up everywhere, you know, um, stuff's becoming more expensive everywhere. It's not just the UK. Granted, the UK does seem to be going up like, oil prices, petrol prices, it seems to be going up a lot more in the UK than other countries in Europe. That's and there's obviously a reason for that. It doesn't just go up here more than... Yeah. More than likely, though, that's probably because we're an island, so as not, like, a lot of the things we get, we have to import. England don't yeah. actually produce a lot of their own, no. or probably nearly fuck all of their own, because most of the stuff we produce actually gets exported anyway mm. to other places. Um... But yeah, you sound like, like, oh yeah, they do things for the housing prices and all that. Do these 5% things, you get a 95% mortgage. But now, because everything's going up so much, like the Bank of England have put interest rates up. So now you've just got a 95% mortgage on a place that you thought, granted, that is a risk you take. You like, you get mortgages that sometimes you can get fixed interest ones or whatever. But if they move with the times or whatever, you're then, like, you could be fucked. Like, your mortgage could, like, triple. And it's all of a sudden gone from somewhere that, it's really affordable to shit. Like we might actually have to sell this place, but no one wants to buy it because things are so expensive. Mm. And you get you get that happen when there's crashes in the housing market with uh, people selling at a loss because the interest rates go up. You need fixed interest rates, I think. Um, I think that would be a, a start for all sort of mortgages is to have a fixed interest rate so that your mortgage can't go up. You sign on when you buy the gaff and then it's fixed and you just pay that same amount of interest because um, it happened before I don't remember when the last big housing crash was I think it was in the 90s and uh, I heard you know you hear stories back then of people who were selling their houses for like a 50 grand loss 
hundred grand loss because the market had gone so far down and they had overpaid so much on the properties. But that's what, I, horrible as it sounds for people who are looking to sell their houses, we need a crash now. Because although a, a crash fucks up people who are trying to sell, but for people who are trying to get on the property ladder, a crash would be fantastic right now because you could actually afford something. But then would people sell? Yeah, because exactly. if they see the crash happening and they think, no, I'm not going to sell now for 50 grand less than I paid it for, they'll wait. And then, yeah, you never know. Seeing people stick it out. And I think that's what drives so many more people into renting, which, mm. like, I, I, I actually, I don't think there's anything wrong with renting. Like, but it drives so many more people, especially like our sort of age, maybe even younger. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I think drives so many people to renting. Because you ask, like, anyone who say, I'd say even... When I left uni, not enough offense to my parents. They probably don't watch this, actually. I wanted to move out. So I think because we went to uni as well, and like you lived on your own for three years, don't get me wrong, it's not the same as normal. Like You'd have to pay council tax at uni. You're not working, you're just going out and getting pissed. For Well, that was my uni experience anyway. Um, but yeah, like I wanted to move out straight away. But like you physically can't. And it's... Like, you can't afford to rent either. Like. Yeah. But it's renting. Let's say you can't afford to rent. You, it's a lot easier. So like most landlords, let's say the average take home is two grand or whatever after taxes. You you rent with someone. Less than that. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. What, yeah. You're going to say moving with a mate or something. You pay £800 a month in rent. Cool. But even though you on that same thing, you both could afford a mortgage, but you're not going to get a mortgage out of anywhere. Like most yeah. places won't give you the mortgage, and that's what drives because everyone wants to move out. I think as soon as you get past the age of, obviously depends on like your living situation and things like that. But I think as soon as you get past the age of like 21, you don't want to be at home. Like it's you're a fucking you're an adult. Like you don't want to be having to let your parents know when you when you're going to come back if you're going to be in tonight and all things like that. And because it is that point, it's like, well, I can't get a fucking mortgage, so I'm going to have to go rent. And then it does... It sets you back. Yeah. I think there's there's huge benefits to renting. Like, I... From the independence it gives you, in that sense, like, you don't have to live at home. You you have a lot more freedom in the sense of what you do. From a financial side, yes, maybe there is. There's, like, drawbacks. and mm-hmm. You're going to struggle to save up for a house then. But if you can find a few people to rent with, it's obviously going to bring your costs way down you're going to enjoy your quality of life like in terms of like your mental state it's probably going to be a lot better because yeah it fucking like stresses me out living home the thing about renting as well though is that you can't get a mortgage unless you've got the deposit basically and people who rent for 10 15 20 years who haven't been able to save up a deposit will never get a mortgage even though they've spent 15 20 years showing that they pay rent every month without fail you can afford, say, a thousand, even a thousand pound a month rent, right? And you pay that every month. That doesn't leave much room for you to be saving. And once you've moved out and you're renting, and you don't really have enough money to save, but you can you can live comfortably renting and buying groceries and whatever, um, you'll then never get the mortgage because you can't save. But no bank will look at you and think, well, you've just paid rent for twenty years without fail on time for a thousand pounds you probably could have a mortgage, but it doesn't work like that. If you don't have the money, yeah. uh, you just won't get given it. But what we're saying about moving back, I never had that problem. Yeah. I never struggled at it. I know so many people who struggle to, pretty much everyone actually, all of our friends, all of the people I knew struggled to adapt moving back home. I didn't at all. 
um, like I, I have a great relationship with my mum and I just, she doesn't really annoy me at all, doesn't have a lot of sort of house rules, uh, we've always had a, a great relationship, um, like my brother moved back in after moving out with his missus, they rented for like a year, then moved back in, saved for a few years to get a mortgage. Um, and they really, really struggled to move back and adapt to living. And they always said to me, like, oh, yeah, you'll struggle, you'll struggle. You've lived on your own for four years. And it was just like I never left. Like, obviously, I'm, I want to move out. I'm not saying I'm going to stay at home now. Obviously, me and Rhea are looking to get a place, hopefully, in the next sort of year or so. Um, we've saved up the deposit and all that now. It's just about finding finding somewhere. But, like, I never struggled to adapt moving home at all. I was always very just sort of slotted back in it was like I'd never left Fair. you're uh mind you I suppose there's got to be an exception to the rule for the rule to apply in there yeah it is yeah like I said I'm most people I know and it's like most people every time I speak to my mates or you I don't know oh you got you got a gaff yet no oh do you want you looking like do you want to get someone not one person I know says ah, I'm actually I, I wouldn't mind staying at home for another five six years sort of thing everyone like like I said around this sort of age looking to move out but you just you like you can't afford it no, you can't and it's it's one of those it's like well to save for a deposit it's like what do i live at home for another five years because realistically you're gonna it's like because what deposit minimum you're going to be looking at like especially if it's 10 percent like say 300 grand house or whatever 30, yeah, yeah 30, 30, 30, 40. Grand. you should get a flat by yourself but still even a flat you're probably going to be looking at like 200 minimum Depending on where you go, depending on where you go, um, well, one of my mates he got his flat was like one nine eight or something. Where was it, Jaywick? <laughs> but yeah, he's. But even then, it's like, and he's he saved up a lot. But yeah, that's like you can't save that up, and it's like, do I stay at home for another five years? Mm. Getting to a point like you're probably clashing with your parents a lot more because you're just fucking on each, on top of each other all the time. No real independence for another five years or do you just fuck it? Let's just go rent somewhere. The thing is as well though, is um, like the, it's, it's not even just the deposit. Like I think as well for someone our age, it's so difficult if you're doing it on your own. You might have a decent paying job and you save up enough for a deposit. It's also then being accepted for the mortgage. Like me and Rhea at the moment have got enough for a deposit. With what I've saved, with what we she's saved, for the sort of price range we're looking at, it's probably sort of 350 to 400 realistically, because we're looking to move to like Hornchurch, Goodyear Parkway. It's not going to find somewhere cheap there, even like a, a two-bed house, terraced house, whatever. They're still expensive. We've got enough for a deposit. We won't get accepted for a mortgage, because what our salaries are and what we'd then need to borrow, I don't know what the, the rule of thumb is, something like four times, four times whatever... Um, and I mean, she's just got a pay rise. So at this point, we're now probably going to be in a position to be able to actually go to a broker and say, look, this is what we earn combined. Because I work in sales as well. They don't really take commission into account. So although I earn a, a very decent amount of money yearly, they'll just look at my basic salary. So we'll struggle to then actually get accepted. But now that she's obviously had a promotion and pay rise and stuff, we'll probably go and actually speak to a mortgage advisor now and say look this is what we earn uh what what can we actually borrow because we've done a few calculators and stuff on on banking websites but on your own if you are on your own you might be able to scrimp and save up that deposit you're not you're never going to get a mortgage for like a, a decent house 350 400 you're never going to get that unless you're literally earning like 60 70 80k and after being a graduate for a few years you're not going to be earning that realistically 
um, as a basic salary. So you'll never even then get accepted. And that's why a lot of people do then have to, if they're doing it on their own, they will then have to go like a flat, one bed flat, for example. And the only reason me and Rhea have never gone that route is because I don't want to get caught. We move out into a one bed house, say, and then in a few years, let's say we want to start thinking about maybe having kids or whatever. Not that we will in a few years, but let's just say we decided one day, right, thinking about having kids. You then have to move before you can have kids. You can't have kids in that one bed flat, that one bed house. You would then have to move. And that then adds pressure onto you to do something else because you've got to sell your property and buy another one. And when you're in a train like that, you might put an offer down on a house and get it accepted. And then you try and sell your flat and no one buys it. And then you have to, you lose out on that. And that's what we didn't want to get stuck in is the first place we want to buy, not necessarily our the place we're going to live for the rest of our lives, but somewhere that has more than one bedroom, somewhere that's decent size so that we wouldn't have to move out. Because, um, I mean, it happened with my brother when um, they then were, you know, thinking about having kids and stuff and they've obviously got a, a son at the moment, my nephew. Um, they then wanted to sell and move and they couldn't. And luckily they've got a bedroom at the house, at, at their flat now. But it's small, so at some point they are going to have to move. And when they first sort of got pregnant with him, they then wanted to sell up and get a house, like a family home. And they really struggled because they got in one of the train, a chain, they found a gaff they really, really liked, had an offer accepted, and the same thing happened. They were then trying to sell their flat, and that fell through, and it just led to... And that's just what I don't want to happen, um, which is why I never went down that route. But it is just nuts at the moment. Um but hopefully uh, Liz trusts the saviour. She'll come through for us. But everyone keeps always saying, oh, there's bound to be a housing crash soon, bound to be a housing crash. But they've been saying it for a couple yeah. of years. It's going up and up and up. But then that's, that is, in that same, because it's so much harder to get a programme where they always get like a panel of politicians on or something, like lunchtime or... I saw some guy on it and he was, <laughs> he was quite, he was a bit younger and they were saying about like, Oh, why why don't you think young people want to move out? And they're basically putting it on young people, saying that like you're all lazy fuckers, that you don't save well enough, um, don't do this, you want to live at home because it's comfortable now. And he's he actually turned around and said he was like, It's not that. He was like, This this the demand outweighs the supply constantly. And although they seem to be putting up new houses every second, the point at which people are buying houses like isn't coming down because houses are getting more expensive. He said they need to like increase the amount of houses they're building by tenfold before it gets to a point where, because if there's enough supply, then the prices don't have to keep getting hiked up. Yeah. Um, but obviously, then that's not in the best interest of companies to build them and all things like that. And the gov- obviously, the government have to approve all these housing projects and that. Um, but if there was, so say, <clears throat> say there's ten houses built a year at the moment and twenty people want them, then obviously that that it's going to become a lot more competitive and sometimes there are people that can afford them but you need to be building 30 houses a year so then more people can afford to move out and then yeah maybe there won't be a crash but house prices will start to level out classic supply and demand though of course if there's more demand than supply the price of something goes up and that's just it's how it's going to happen and the trouble is as well about he's right yeah you need to build more houses but again there's not enough land we're a small, small country. You can't just build houses forever. Like we were saying last week about 
finite resources. Land's a finite resource. There's going to be come a time. That's as well why land is so expensive in a place like the UK because it's small. You know, for the actual like land for land, if you look at other countries, houses and properties are so much cheaper abroad because there's more land. So you can. Um, Dishwasher. Um, so you can you can uh, build more houses and you can sell them more cheaply because there's enough land to do so. Um, if you look at like, I know it's South Africa, but like the grand the house that my grandparents lived in and brought up my mum and her two siblings in, um, they sold that when my granddad died. It was sold for the equivalent of about twenty thousand pounds. Right, that house was lovely massive land and that was a good price for it in 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 terms of rand it sold for whatever the equivalent is twenty thousand pounds in rand it's usually like 20 to 1 rand to pound um that house was lovely massive um four bedrooms couple of bathrooms really big garden um you know nice plot a big plot of land but because land is not a scarce resource in these countries it things are a lot cheaper naturally things would be cheaper in a poorer country anyway but if you compare it to the us for example the us has a great economy their properties are so much cheaper than the uk because they've got more space so that's one thing that's not going to change and the population typically goes up and up and up so more people need houses and there's just i don't i can't see a see a crash to be fair a lot of that as well is to do with buildable land so it's you can't just put a house up anywhere like not every part of land it can be eventually but you have to treat the land in a certain way it's um i remember watching a program on it ages ago in the shard where they built that the because i think a lot of london is clay i could be wrong so but it's basically a set it makes building on it difficult because it shrinks and expands through the seasons so yeah it was like a huge um, engineering feat to build the shard because it's such a big building and it's also one of the reasons why London will never have like the biggest skyscrapers in the world because the foundation like the land it's built on just can't take it mm. and they would end up collapsing or completely fucking up or it would cost so much money that you would never recuperate it and it's the same thing like a lot of England is actually still like not oh yeah green sort of thing it's fields and stuff like that but like you said, the amount of land that can actually be built on at the moment is finite. But that might change in the future. More technologies might come about. And it's like, it's not that it can't be done, but it's the cost to benefit. Is that the right word? Like, but yeah, it outweighs it. And most companies aren't going to do that. They're not going to want to treat a land for years and years on end to make it buildable mm. because then that means there's more money when they could just try and find somewhere else. And it's also why when you can buy land in England, say... Say my garden, for example, is worth hundred grand for nothing. Like when no one's building on it, you get planning permission on that. It goes up to like eight hundred grand. It can like mm. octuple in price. <laughs> Great word. Big word. Um, yeah, it's crazy. It is, it is crazy. But even if you took that out of the equation and you assumed every bit of land at the moment uh, in the UK can be built on, there's still not enough space. You compare the UK to other countries, it's so much smaller. Um, even like France, Germany, except like other European countries that are on our doorstep, it's just so much smaller um, and there's so much less space. So even if all that space could be built on, um, we have a big population in such a small condensed place 
and it couldn't it can't just go on forever um because also i mean the people who own those lands say big fields say like a farm they don't want to sell that land either no. and that's that's the trouble um but it is crazy at the moment i just you hope that there's a it gets a bit more affordable for us normal folk yeah do you say about uh population do you know at the moment our replacement rate as a human race is negative more people okay. die than are born and this might come in this might be a factor of it as well because if you even if you say like the price is it's not just england in isolation about like people more more women uh this is not trying to be misogynistic or sexist or anything by the way but more women are choosing get even less <laughs> More women are choosing to have careers over having kids. Mm. You think like my mum, she'd had, she'd had my sister when she was like twenty five, I think, and she was ready to have kids then. Mm. Whereas fuck me, like I couldn't imagine having a kid now. And yeah. So yeah, and more more people and people are moving out later. So when you've got your own place, it is more of an incentive to start a family. So say someone doesn't move out until they're thirty now. So that's you're not having a kid, so then that kid is you might not even then have a kid until you're like 35, 40. Mm-hmm. So more people are dying, the more people are being born. It's uh, Elon Musk. It's like one of his biggest worries in the world that he thinks that we're going to die of depopulation before of anything else. But that's interesting that it's negative because I don't think it has been before for a very long time. No. I th- so it's, and it's not every single country in the world, but as a net population, it's like China is got a negative um, reproduction rate. Yeah, that's probably because they ban... No, the, but you know why that is? Isn't China the ones... We'll have to fact check. If this isn't true, you cut it out. China have a rule that... Or they did for many years have a rule that you can only have one child per household because they tried to bring the population down. And that led to that horrible shit that happened where families were killing daughters, like baby girls that they would have because they wanted a boy. So all of the orphanages were full of little girls because the families didn't want them and you could only have one so they would then try again for a boy i'm pretty sure that's china because they had such a big population so that's why theirs has gone down but yeah that is so as yeah as a world we are in a negative uh replacement rate that's actually what it's called replacement replacing one human with another going um obviously about politics did you see what happened this links to politics a bit but did you see what happened this week with instagram in ireland no they Ireland uh, a regulator in Ireland basically investigated Instagram and um, they got fined. The court basically fined Instagram like four hundred and eight million euros or something for not protecting children's data. So you know, like Meta as a company, Mark Zuckerberg who own Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, etc. He's been done for this sort of shit before, but you know they like sell data, make data available to companies and marketing companies, etc. Um, apparently, obviously, naturally, you're not allowed to give away the data of children, like people under 18. Um, and basically, there was some sort of loophole that was an oversight from Meta where if people under 18 made a business account, every business account's data would get shared. So even if the person who ran that business account was under 18 their information was still getting leaked because they saw business accounts as you were meant to be over a certain age or whatever something like that um and they basically got done for um for for basically yeah they got done for leaking this information Uh, a regulator in ireland investigated it 
they've now since changed the rule that when you put in when you make an Instagram account and you put in your date Instagram automatically put you on a normal account and not a business account to try and solve that issue um, but it, oh, this regulation island basically won the lawsuit and yeah they got fined a shit ton of money but bringing it to politics he's been done for that before do you remember that like Cambridge Analytica thing yeah. that happened a few Thinking years back Mark yeah, yeah Mark Zuckerberg where um, basically Facebook and, and his companies were done for uh, selling data or letting like marketing companies use their data for political elections and political advertisements um, and it the thing is it it's not illegal as such you can cross the line and do things that are illegal it's just sort of unethical but it works like I was reading up today when I read that article about Instagram um, it said about his previous stuff that's, and I was reading up about that and um, Cambridge Analytica did this thing and people like Donald Trump has used that that same thing for political advertisement getting data from Facebook the Leave campaign in Brexit used it um, as well as apparently one of the British elections recently and you can't whether they won those elections because Leave won Trump won and, and that election won as well whether those elections were won because of that you'll never know but it is a very powerful thing to have that much data on that many people because they have meta across their three platforms have like i think even just facebook has like 2.9 billion users globally which is about 70 percent of internet users in the world um so they can literally if they sold that to any political campaign that political campaign would could just target all of those with ads and you'd probably win like it's a very powerful thing to have but he's he's a bit shitty with it obviously getting it it's not the first time his company's been in trouble for doing something dodgy with data um he must make a shit ton of money out of it but very unethical yeah. uh it's it's crazy so the way the way advertising but that's the thing as well it's a gray area and unfortunately a lot i say unfortunately like a lot of these people that say are oh, mark zuckerberg and you're you're an ass like you should you can't do this you can't do that he can and the, the thing is well, soon as you log in not with the kids but soon as you log in though it's like it is it's a it's a gray area it's a line that mm. should you be crossing it and that but as soon as you log in as soon as you press okay to things mm. you know you heard of cookies they obviously that this i'm not saying tech tech whiz but you you're giving that website permission to basically yeah. take all of your data and no one sits there and reads every single one and this, all these politicians that sue them and all that, it's people that don't understand technology at all. Mm. And this is, I think, to create more secure laws around it and that governments need to be hiring people that actually know what they're talking about. Because all it is, is, yeah, Mark Zuckerberg's been done. 480 million euros is a drop in the ocean to meta. Like, that is nothing. So all they're going to do is just create a new program or whatever that cuts out and just finds a loophole in it cuts out that bit but gets their data another way because data is like mining your data is more valued it's like more valuable than any other commodity in the world it's more valuable than gold diamonds per like per person because people pay through the fucking roof for it and it's like even i i have i can run because i've got a business account i can run targeted ads say you your like frequent searches on Instagram are rugby and Biltong or whatever. But I can 
I can run targeted ads to people that search those sort of mm. things. I don't have to know you. I don't have to be friends with you. And PPC. yeah, Meta will pull those data out and you'll see my shit come up on your feed. Mm. And I pay Meta for that. And yeah, they earn. And obviously you get massive companies that do this, probably pay hundreds of thousands, if not millions of pounds. Because it's not, obviously it's not just Meta. It's no. Google. Or Google own YouTube as well now, don't they? But and then they'll probably sell data in between people because once you like it's like you get cross-site tracking so say you're on say you're on facebook and then you click off facebook most cookies will allow cross-site tracking mm. so you click off of that and then you type in you go to have a wank or something <laughs> you go on that and then it will start showing you like more things to get you back to these websites or you'll get all of a sudden, you're getting targeted ads for lingerie and shit. Local slags in your area. Local milfs. No, but it's we, we get the same on the YouTube. On on our the YouTube app for our channel here, that, do you look through that app? What? The, the studio. Because yeah. it literally says where your viewers came from and how they got to YouTube. And for us, obviously, it says like 48% Instagram because naturally we share it and people click on it. But then it had people that came through via... A, standard search i looked at it today and it showed how many clicks we had from people clicking on our video after watching another and it showed you the did you see that part have you looked at it shows you like it showed me today like three different youtube channels where we come up as a suggested video and one of them was a podcast pretty small scale like us less views though presumably at the end of someone watching their video we came up as a suggested and they clicked on our video so all of that tracking stuff and like you say Every app you download, every website you go on, like if you're just going to go read an article on the mirror or literally anything Financial Times, it comes up saying accept, accept cookies, accept tracking, and you just click accept. Mm -hmm. Same as when you download Facebook, there's a terms of service, which no one in the world reads. You just click accept because it's Facebook, because it's Instagram, because it's Google, YouTube, whatever it is. You just click accept and you are accepting, you are clicking accept to a lot of this shit. And while it is unethical, like you say, it's not in the, in this case, because there's laws against sharing under 18's data, they were in the wrong. But in general, it is just unethical. There's a fine line between unethical and, and actually being illegal. Um, but you're right, we do it. We, we click agree to this sort of stuff. Because it never used to be a thing, did it? Like cookies and having to accept it all never used to be a thing. And it might have actually, it might have been Facebook originally, like they got in some sort of trouble, thing, some yeah. sort of trouble for it. And that's when it come around, you have to agree to the terms of service before using it. Yeah, fucking when don't you agree it's, to it's the It's even, a, it's such, we're talking big scale here, like YouTube, Google even small scale, like call centers buy data from companies, call centers who are trying to sell you like Scottish power energy instead of whatever, or they're trying to sell you this Wi-Fi instead of BT. They buy your data from companies, you know, even small scale like that, like data, like you say, is so valuable. And uh, if you've had like, how long have I had Facebook? Fucking 15, 16 years, had Instagram like six. They've got so much data on you over the years. Um, that's one of Meta's selling points. Do you know, because I work in e-com, I know about this. I don't think it's that public. You know, um, they've set up a platform called Meta. The, oh, the Metaverse. Yeah, not quite the Metaverse, but like it's like an e-commerce platform. So oh. similar to Amazon. It's only available in the US at the moment, but we, as a business, we do a bit of work in that and we sell those. 
But we literally use that. What we're talking about here is a benefit. When I'm trying to sell that to someone, I'm using that as a positive. But no, so Zuckerberg and like Meta have basically set out plans long term. They want to compete with the likes of Amazon. Um, and they have done the metaverse, like they're going to put in virtual reality and that sort of thing. But one of the benefits they're saying is you can market, market for free. So they're trying to encourage businesses to use their platform in the US at the moment. And they're basically saying you don't have to spend money on PBC. You don't have to spend money on marketing. What we'll do is we'll use all the data we have on our users on Facebook, on Instagram, on WhatsApp, and we'll push ads to them free of charge that will bring them to your meta store. So we're talking about it as a negative. They, they've used it as a positive to say to businesses, come and use our platform. Um, I'll show you at one time. It's all right. It's, it doesn't look as slick as Amazon, but like it's still, it's very early on. They've only done it like a year or two. Um, but they've, they've, they're saying that to businesses as a positive. You don't have to spend money on marketing. We'll use the data we have on all of our customers and we'll push ads to them if you're selling like a glass and one of their, yeah, and they're just going to push that for free to try and encourage businesses to come. And when I'm then trying to sell one of those businesses to people, I'm using that as a positive. I'm saying to them, you're not going to have to spend money on marketing. They've got, that's how I know the stat about 2.9 billion users. And it's something like 72% of internet users globally. Because uh, I use that on the, on the sales call. But they're using that as a positive. They're spinning something that's usually negative into a positive for businesses to say, we'll, we'll market that free of charge if you come and use our platform. So he obviously doesn't care about the bad publicity that he gets because he's still using it to his, to his advantage. The thing is though, yeah, so it doesn't care about the bad publicity because on an individual level, you, you might be like, oh yeah, that's fucked. But I've ran paid ads on Facebook before. I'm like, oh, I don't want companies. I don't really care because I'm not, I'm aware of the goings on. I'm not, I don't know it ins and outs, but I know if I click accept cookies, I'm going to see a targeted ad for something the next day or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from a business point of view, in the end of the day, the business, as long as businesses profit from it, it's never going to stop. No. Um, that's quite mad they're not doing this, not like a pay-to-play sort of thing yet. Because that's where Facebook, or Meta now, isn't it? That's where they make so much of their money. Because you don't need to pay to have an account. You like Everything on it is a set. You don't need to pay to upload videos. You don't subscribe to anything on there. So that's where they make all their money, and it's that's why when you do targeted ads, it's the more you, the more money you pay, the more you do this, the more you do that, the more you'll get your content put out there. It's like a bit. Are you talking about PPC, basically, pay per click? No. So on Google Ads and on Amazon, obviously for work we use PPC, which is pay per click. Yeah. It's I think it is what you've said about if people search for certain words. So you basically bid. It's like a bidding system. So if, if you're selling a, a glass mm. and uh, you go on Amazon, you bid to have your product put to the top of the page for someone who types the word glass or kitchen glass, pint oh. glass, whatever, you bid. And if you bid $2 per click, but someone else is already paying for six, you're not going to come up at the top. So it's basically a bidding system. You don't know what other people have bid either, so you have to sort of guess. Um, but basically, every time then someone searches that, your products will come up higher up the search results. Every time you yours get clicked on, you have to pay, basically. And you can do the same on Google. And then with Google Analytics, you analyze the people clicking on your web page or your ad. Because again, Google has that data to tell you this is a woman who's 30 from this area of the world. And companies use that then to 
like you say, run targeted ads because they then think, right, majority of my attraction is coming from this area of the world, from this demographic, uh, from this gender, and they'll then use that for their marketing moving yeah. forward. So all companies do it. That's what I mean. I don't necessarily think it's... A, I think what I read about Zuckerberg with the underage thing is quite poor because, again, unethical and, you know, you shouldn't really be sharing data of, of people under 18. I thought that was poor, but in general, the using of data for, for that sort of thing. Every company in the world does it and um, it helps with marketing, it helps with sales and, you know, it's, it isn't going to stop anytime soon. And as I said, it does help with, but then it also, like, if you look at it from a positive point of view, I know you're like, oh, I'm getting these target ads, but you're seeing shit you want to see rather, like that pay-per-click thing, you can, yeah, there is a bidding system on Facebook ads as well where, but it's not, it's not a pay-per-click, it's say, like you'll put in a specific word. I put in um, gym as one of my specific like things and ask, yeah, I say I put, oh, I'm willing to pay two pound per lead. Someone else is willing to pay three pounds sort of thing. But obviously you don't want to overdo it because if you're paying through the teeth for a lead, but you're only like, you've got a, a like a low value thing, then it's, yeah, it depends, it depends it on what. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I just said, you're you're gonna get targeted ads and things you want to see and things are actually probably a bit don't get me wrong, you also get peddled some shit. Mm. But as long as you're not an idiot, you're not gonna buy everything you fucking see, are you? <laughs> that is actually why I don't know if you know about this, you know. Do you know why he I'm sure you notice he doesn't have Instagram anymore, right? Do you know why? Because I one when I noticed, I once you know how sometimes you just scroll in and you think like, I've not seen that person in a while or, and I then looked for his profile, couldn't find it and I messaged him like, have you blocked me for some reason? He was like, oh no, I deleted it. Why? We're spending too much money. I said, sorry? And he said, oh yeah, um, you know, all the ads, I kept clicking on them and buying stuff that I didn't need. <laughs> and I just said, oh for fuck's sake, I've never met someone who gets drawn in by those ads and actually buys stuff constantly. And he basically deleted Instagram because he said, he also said like, I spend too much time on it, etc. But he basically said he spends too much money. So he was that person that clicked on the fucking ads and actually bought things constantly. Idiot. <laughs> I've bought one thing off there though. One. Yeah. It was a necklace just because I, I, I saw the ad all the time. And I don't know why, again, this is what, it's hard to know because I wanted one at the time, but I hadn't like searched necklaces or anything. And it kept coming up and I just eventually thought, oh, fuck it, I'll buy it because it, it was cheap and um, it broke at the weekend. That's perhaps why it's cheap. So actually something interesting about that, although how true this is, don't know, there's um, it's a documentary on Netflix and they put some shit fucking documentaries on. Um, have you ever watched the fucking Game Changers, the vegan thing and that? That's all a load of bollocks. Um, but... There's a thing about that social media and they get like ex-Twitter employees, ex-Facebook employees and that. And it's the way everyone's phones, especially smartphones these days, they share data with each other. So say, say me and you are together and we've talked about getting, getting a new watch, for example, and I happen to have searched watches before, it will share that data with you and you might see a targeted ad for watches or it's even, I don't know if your phones can listen to you. People seem to think they can. Yeah, and there that, is that. I, I'm a bit sceptical about that because I'm like, can they really like... I, I do wonder though, because in that circumstance, I know 
like I always used to joke about it. And if we spoke about, if I spoke about something specific to someone, I'd be like, oh, I bet I'm going to go on my phone tomorrow and see an ad. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that thing with the necklace, I'd been speaking to people before about, oh, I like that necklace. Like I want the necklace, blah, blah, blah. I'd never searched that in Google. Never, never searched it on my phone. Um, wasn't viewing that sort of thing. It was just something that I'd said, like, oh, I might buy one soon. And those ads then started coming up. And I thought... When it gets onto like a much larger scale, it's even, so like the program or whatever, on these websites or Instagram and that, it can even tell to the point of where, do you know when you're scrolling, you might have seen one advert for a necklace one time and you looked at it and you hovered over for it for a bit longer than you do everything else. It will then push those ads a little bit more. You see them a little bit more. Oh, you hover over it a little bit. Even though you, you don't remember that you hovered over that picture for a bit longer than any of the other ones. Even though, yeah, even though you don't remember hovering over it and you're like, well, I've never searched it. All I've ever done. And like, you, you know, you said about the Red Bull thing last week, that mm. subconscious marketing, mm. whatever. It's that exactly. Makes but sense. now the level of technology, it... Yeah, it's fucked at how much they can do just for you opening up your phone. Yeah. yeah, it's the same as Instagram. If you look on your Discover page, stuff that you'll click on or click on for longer will show up in your thing. And I'm glad that we've got onto this topic because I was going to say something about this. I went on our uh, Canon Co. podcast Instagram page the other day. I went onto the Discover page and I saw a lot of uh, pictures of women... Uh, a lot of models, a lot of half-naked <laughs> half naked females coming up. And I thought, I've not been clicking on these, so I just wondered uh, what you've been doing on the you know Canon what? Co. No, podcast I page. Actually, I don't use it. I, uh, I, <laughs> I just got to delete the <laughs> um, no. But that's the same thing, because when you then start clicking, like, say you, I, a lot of mine is food videos, rugby videos, mm-hmm. MMA videos, boxing videos, because that's the stuff I click on. Um and yeah, when you click on that stuff, it you're not like putting in your data or buying something, but because you're clicking on that and it recognizes this is the sort of content you watch, they push that stuff. It, very interesting how they get it done. You know, we all had access to the uni rugby and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he used to just use that to follow girls, like pics, follow models and stuff um, so that it wouldn't come up on its own profile. Uh, I think a few of the lads did, to be fair. I never did, but um, I used it strictly for... <laughs> yeah, just a disclaimer. <laughs> I, used Re- strictly- I swear I didn't do anything. <laughs> that's that's mad, because obviously on TikTok, you don't search things. And that's like, just like a perfect example of, you will see shit mm. that you sit and watch for longer. You spend longer and then... It's like other bit, some videos I'll just scroll past, other videos I'll sit there and watch them, mm. and then... Like before you know it, their constant like the next ten videos you watch are because that's what Reese says to me is some I don't really I have TikTok on my own phone I don't really go on it much, but that's what Reese will say to me when I'll I'll look on hers, and I'm not because I don't use it much I don't just sit there and scroll through things and she'll recognise if she's not going to want to watch something within the first couple of seconds whereas to me I'll sit there even if I think what is the point of this this video shit I'll watch it scroll up watch the whole thing, scroll up, and she'll be like, for fuck's sake, things are now going to come up on my feed that I don't want to watch. Um, and you get a lot of ads on TikTok as well. Yeah. I told you the other day, didn't I, that I literally sold a, a package to a client at work and asked, how did you hear about us, by the way, because they hadn't inquired through one of our external things. They'd come directly to our website, and they said TikTok. And I didn't even know that we were... I don't think we even advertised on TikTok. I think it was maybe another client giving us a good review on TikTok and speaking about it. 
Um, and yeah, TikTok super powerful. We have TikTok now, folks, as well as Instagram. And so with that though, it's like so TikTok is a new because it's a newer platform. I don't know if it's specifically because it's a newer platform, but it's not necessarily the ads. It's it will do obviously like it will give you targeted videos in the same way as that like Discover page does, but TikTok's so good at the moment because it isn't as much pay to play. Whereas like Instagram and Facebook and the more you pay to use it, the more you're probably going to appear on other people's feeds and that. Whereas it's a pretty, that's why people can amass such huge followings on TikTok so quickly. Because it's whatever is viral all the time and whatever grabs people as grabs people's attention. Whereas on other platforms, you might not have the most attention grabbing content, but if you're paying through the fucking roof for yeah. ad- adverts, Whereas don't you can they do do paid ads on TikTok now, but it's not. Do you know you'll be scrolling through Instagram feed and you'll see ad 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 ad. You don't get that on the for you page. You might maybe get. I'm not. I've never noticed it when I first go on it an ad comes up. Maybe like an hour later, another ad might come. It, up. it has got a lot more. I think on Instagram, I've noticed that when looking through stories. Every like second or third story, you get an ad now. When it used to be a lot more rare, they have started pushing it a lot more. Um, which is actually quite annoying, but it's what it is. People have got to make money, haven't they? It's it's a it's a mad world because like like I said from business, I find it really interesting and I like, I want to do more with it, learn more about it. But yeah, from a personal point of view, you're like, oh fuck, like if you've got a big marketing budget, any company, any whatever, you can make it a success. Like we could run PBC on YouTube for the word podcast or whatever the topics we're speaking about. We could do that, and if we pumped money into it, you'd get tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of views because you're coming up even on on youtube when you type when you search something the first couple are ads and when it comes up like same as when you search something on amazon if it says ad or whatever when you search something on google it will say ad when you search something on youtube the first couple results at the top will say ad that's because someone's paid for like ppc marketing to be at the top of that search so we could uh, do it on on the podcast and get loads of views, but then you're not you don't actually get any unless you're then making money at the end of it. it it's pointless. But yeah. if you spend enough on that type of marketing with the data, any business will get a ton of searches. Got to spend money to make money in your in that sense. But yeah, yeah, this that's and then as soon as you start getting more views, but then companies will want to put adverts on your YouTube channel and sponsor you, and then obviously they pay you to do that and you can spend more money on that and then you push it to the top and then more companies will pay you like you said it is it might not be in the it might not be in the best interest of the public and this is the thing a lot of these people that because nine times out of ten when all of these things all these lawsuits and shit like that happen it's not a company suing these internet um, like google or youtube or facebook or whatever it's it's a government Mm. it's something that they've because they haven't got a fucking clue what goes on and they have you seen the one where Mark Zuckerberg sits in, he's in a court in America, mm. there's all these politicians, and yes. they're like, it's a fu- if I turn my phone on now and I walk over there, can you tell where I've been? He's like, no, it doesn't work like that, not unless you give me permission to, and he's like, but, fa-, and they basically think like, Facebook are in your phone all the time, and, but, but that is a clever answer of his, no, not unless you give me permission to, because, by by downloading it, accepting the terms and conditions and doing that, you are giving them permission to. If you just download the Facebook app, don't make an account, don't accept the T's and C's, then no, he can't. But if you accept the T's and C's and do all that, then he can track you and he can do those things. So it's a clever answer to say because 
without thinking, by accepting those things, you are giving them permission to do that. You are giving the company permission to have your data, etc. But that's the thing. Is that going to... I know that. I'm still not going to read the T's and C's. I'm still not going to... You know, it's just... It is what it is. Moving on to something entirely new. I wanted to ask you a question. As two fellows who have both gone to university, I read an article earlier about... It was just given percentages about people who regret going to university. IBM Research did a, um, basically a, uh, a poll, uh, an investigation to find out the reasons why people actually go to uni, um, for what reasons, etc. And they said that basically they found that of their pool, which I think was quite large, um, 47% weren't aware that th- there was like apprenticeship schemes they could do. Um, of the ones that were aware, only 10% could actually name a company that offers an apprenticeship scheme that they might do. 32% said they go because they think it gives you skills that you're not going to get elsewhere. Which probably isn't true. Is is this in, like, they weren't aware there's apprenticeships in the same industry subject that they're going to do? Yeah. Not just, not just, like, random. No, 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 people knew what apprenticeships was, but, I mean, even me at, to be honest, me in sixth form slash GCSEs, the only apprenticeships I ever heard of were plumbing, electrician, stuff like that that was manual. I never knew to be... That's not the reason I went to university, but I don't think that I was aware that you could do a business management... Because that's the course I did, business management. I don't think I was aware you could do business management, apprenticeships, etc. Um, 45% said they didn't know what they wanted to do, so went and studied and hoped they'd find out along the way. 40%, 47% said it. they went because they think it would look better on their CV and help them get jobs. Um, and apparently 40% of people said they regretted going to uni. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that because obviously, like I've just said, I think always the plan for me was to go uni, didn't really know what I wanted to do, wanted a business degree, thought it would help me, etc. Um, I can't say that I was aware, like I've just said, about apprenticeships that I could have done that were relevant to what I studied. I don't think I was aware of that, but I don't think that would have fact- factored me going, going or not going, etc., um, but it's an interesting thing because I read as well later on in the in the article it was speaking about um, apparently last year a record number of uni students got accepted into university something like thirty eight percent I think what it, I think I wrote down thirty eight percent of eighteen year olds leaving sixth form got accepted into university which is the highest ever apparently um, that will also be down to they didn't do exams. So naturally, their grades are better. So that that probably comes into why um, the greatest percentage of people applying got accepted because they had better grades because they got predicted grades based on teachers and classrooms as opposed to exams because that's that whole COVID age. Um, But I then read something on the same article that said as of January and February, which is when the cutoff date is to apply for university for kids this year, there's been the most applications and it's higher than the last couple of years in terms of applications. So although, yeah, most of those would have got accepted because they got decent grades down to the predicted thing, um, there is obviously a trend at the moment of people, not only are more people going last year, but more people are actually applying to go this year. So it seems like it's going up where I thought it would actually maybe go down. Uh, But it seems like more and more people are now going to go to university. Yeah, I I think with that, going back to the... Uh, it's hard to afford things and you stay in education for longer you'll know you go uni you get a big grant it's basically like if you don't know what you want to do yet 
it's just it is an it's an easy ride for another three years or not saying easy ride depends on what you do at uni so it was um but yeah like it's you ain't got a fucking clue like all it's if you don't go to university it's you had to ask to go piss two weeks ago and now all of a sudden like you've got to decide what you want to do with the rest of your life Granted, no, you don't have to decide what you want to do with the rest of your life. You could do whatever. Jo- you can fucking change career paths when you're 40 if you really want. Nothing is set in stone in that sense. But it is... And that's what I think it might be a generational thing in that sense. It's like most parents that... Like even I say, you know, like our parents sort of thing. They went into a career and that is what they've done. Or something related to that. And that is what they would do until they retire. And they'll put that pressure on you. And a lot of kids will be like, well, fuck, I don't know what I want to fucking do. Like, I'll just go to uni for three years. Maybe I'll figure it out then. It's the easier way out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of actually going to uni, I don't regret going to uni at all. I've, I had a fucking great time. <laughs> An amazing time. Yeah. But did I need to go uni? No, not at all. Like, I... And these are, like, every, all my family and that, because obviously I went into PT, I've done strength conditioning went in to be a PT I said done strength and conditioning <laughs> that's what my degree says whether or not I turned up most of the time um, but all my family like oh it must have helped and all that and it's do it, it, you know the only thing it's helped me with is I still read a lot of research to try and stay up to date with like what's the latest with training and nutrition and things like that that is the only thing it's helped me do how to read research but I probably could have picked that up along the way if I had started doing it now Um yeah, but in terms of actually going to uni, like it has not helped my career at all. No. And like I don't I don't tell obviously like when the conversation comes up, nine times out of ten, did you go uni or whatever, I'll say yes and tell people what I did. But when I'm trying to get clients, I don't be like, Oh, I've got a degree in strength and conditioning. Because no. even if I do say that, most of the time, first question, Oh, what's that then? Not <laughs> fucking my potential clients couldn't. And, if, and if, if one of your clients is sitting there with like a master's in mathematics, mathematics words, and you go, Yeah, I've got a degree in certain condition, they're probably just going to think, Right. <laughs> okay. Good, good for you. Are you but I don't, I don't think, don't get me wrong, I do think it helps. Look, but the I didn't need one either. The, the career I've gone, when I went out of uni, I've, I've worked in recruitment and then I've worked in sales for a few years. Um, my recruitment firm only really interviewed people who had degrees. However, I could have got a job at a different recruitment firm and earned the same money at, at a similar company. So although that firm only really interviewed people with degrees, because um, that's what they wanted, they wanted graduates, because they have this idea that graduates uh, have worked really hard and like they're going to be a great asset because they've got a degree. And a lot of companies still do have this view. Um, however, I could have got a job at, countless recruitment firms that didn't require a degree and I would have got paid the same and done the same job mm. same as my company now when I start when I first started there they interviewed me because I had a degree and when I've then actually managed teams etc and hired into that team the first people they want you to interview are the ones with degrees um, and like a couple of the people I hired had degrees but then I hired someone without a degree as well because even though there were a few applicants that had a degree, after the interviews, I thought, well, she's actually better than them, even though she hasn't got a degree, etc. So it does help. It does probably open up doors for you. If someone sees that you've got a degree and you've got a similar profile to someone else who doesn't have a degree, they probably will interview you first. However, if you're a fucking idiot 
or you don't work hard or you lack common sense or anything, you're going to get into that job and then struggle anyway and might end up getting let go, might end up quitting yourself because you can't hack it, etc. Um, so I don't know that it teaches you enough to be able to go and succeed, but I do think that degree probably opens doors. But I would probably have been just as successful as if I'm massively successful, but I think I would have, if I hadn't gone to uni, I'd have been the same. I'd have got a similar job and similar money, um, but I wouldn't have had such a good time. And that's the thing, uni, you do get those people that go to uni for an actual degree. (laughs) You know, the people that we thought were weird that would actually study and go to the library and stuff uh, while we were out getting pissed and playing rugby and that. But um, they're few and far between. I feel a lot a lot of people go to university for the experience. But yeah, so many people go to uni for the experience, I feel. And they don't regret it. But some people do regret it, like that thing said, 40% regret it. Because people probably think, fuck me, uh, did I really borrow that much money mm-hmm. to pay my tuition and pay my rent, etc. Mm-hmm. to just have good memories. Uh, but can't, can't, can't put a price on happiness, can you? Thank you, but if it, from that, like the debt at uni, yeah, fair enough. It's like, oh my God, I've got so, so much debt. But it doesn't reflect negatively on you at all. No. It's it's probably the best form of debt you can have in terms of like, if you was if you was to get a mortgage and you couldn't end up paying it back and like you fucked up, that would look very bad on your credit score ever. No one gives a shit if you've got uni debt. You pay fuck all as well. Yeah. Like you pay, what comes out of my pay each month is literally hardly anything. Um you pay not a lot of it and if you haven't paid it back by the time you're 50 55 I think for the year we went uh, it gets wiped clean anyway is it 50 I thought it was, I thought it was a bit older than that but yeah obviously like yeah there are so I think probably those those that have said they regret it are um, they're probably the people that went there to get a degree Didn't really enjoy it. really tried fucking try hards <laughs> but like really put a lot of effort in and they didn't come away with the grade they thought they was going to went and got a job, found that within a couple of years, they're on the exact same career path and trajectory as someone that hasn't got a degree and has just been doing the same job with them, same job as them. And grant, like, like you said, granted, it might open a few more doors in terms of hiring and that, but I think that's maybe where like a lot of companies miss out on some like probably potential amazing candidates because like, well, you haven't got a degree, but just because you've got a degree compared to someone else, like you just said, they could be like completely incompetent. Mm. Like it's not fucking hard to pass a degree. No, it's not. I'm I'm very aware of that fact. Like I I didn't really. Hopefully, my parents aren't watching this. Mind you, they know I was like a bit of fucking lazy fucking towards the end. But towards the end, I didn't didn't really go to like any lectures. Like handed in work for last minute. Mm. A lot of it was like Thank just scraping through. And fair enough, I got a two two, which is like the minimum you can get to still get honours, <laughs> to still get honours. But I got it without. This might come across quite arrogant in that sense because maybe some people do struggle and still only get that two two. But yeah, to get that degree, and that's maybe some people that regretted going, kind of went through all of that and didn't get the grades they wanted, and they was like, oh. But yeah, I've got no regrets about going to uni. Like, make some amazing mates. I had a fucking blast. I had a blast. That's the thing. Met such good friends. Played a really decent level of rugby. Um, well, me anyway. Yeah, I did. Not so much you. <laughs> um, no, but I loved it. Like I've met the probably the best friends I have for life. I obviously met Ree. Um, so I don't regret a thing. 
And my degree has helped me get jobs. Like I say, I could have got jobs with that one as well. I'm not saying I needed one, but it has opened up doors for me um, for a couple of jobs that I've got, etc. And I just think it's a blast. Um, it te- I think you, you grow up a bit. Although you we went out a lot like and just spent a lot of our time getting pissed and being stupid, you forget that actually you are living on your own. You are living with a couple of friends where you have to do your own grocery shop each week. You're paying bills. You don't pay council tax, but you pay electricity, water, gas, whatever, um, when the debt collectors come knocking. <laughs> um, but you, you pay bills. You've got your own, your own space, your own house. You've got to manage your own time. Um, cooking for your, Stuff like cooking for yourself. I could cook, obviously, before I went to uni, but how many kids would have just only ever put a pizza in the oven before and you've got to cook for yourself by so it does actually it matures you a bit as well it teaches you probably skills that you wouldn't have had if you just lived with your mum or your dad you know for years so there are a lot of benefits um i think networking as well i think because we went to predominantly a sport uni our uni wasn't great for like academia um and like sort of intelligent subjects it was made a lot of sports stuff but Say you go to a really, really, really good university, academic university, you network with people who are going to be like working for HSBC and working in big time jobs and networking helps a lot as well. And that's another benefit. Whereas with us, obviously, a lot of people came and studied like PSE and sports science and SNC and you don't then, a lot of those people don't go into those jobs because... How hard is it to actually make a living in S&C and sports science? You have to be working for like a professional football club or a professional rugby club or something to actually make a decent wage. And that's why it comes down to what we're saying and, and that percentage of people that go just because they don't know what else to do, they then get their degree and work in sales or work in recruitment or something, even though their degree was in something completely uh, not relevant to that. And now I suppose that does come down from a personal choice. Obviously, I did end up staying in like a sport industry I suppose it's a sport yeah service industry yeah. or whatever but um yeah like I said my degree didn't have really much relevance but then in the same sense could you argue like getting a business degree you're getting taught business by people that have never ran a successful business in their life it's it's like I'm not saying it's a pointless degree and that but it's it's got that same sense like what relevance does it hold to you now having a job it's true I um I had a, a teacher in A level and GCSE called uh, Mr Moss, and he's probably the best teacher I've ever had, um, uni included, because um, we used to ask the lecturers at uni like, what did you actually used to do before you were a lecturer, and yeah, they worked in businesses and stuff, but none of them were like greatly successful or they just had decent jobs up London or whatever, became lecturers, um, whereas I think his name John John Moss he. He'd like worked and run really successful businesses. The geese was super fucking successful. He worked part time as a teacher teaching only GCSE and A level, basically business economics, just out of boredom, just for something to do. He didn't need the money. Like he he was retired very successfully. Um, and I learned the most from him, I think, than I've learned from anyone about business because he used to come in and he wouldn't just open a textbook and say right read this or we're doing this today something from the curriculum he would sit down and tell us about experiences he had working at different businesses um 
and he would tell us stories about business and then he'd relate it back after telling us about his experiences, he'd relate it back to something in the curriculum and that's why we're talking about this, blah, blah, blah. And he never ever set work from textbooks, blah, blah, blah. He would set us essays to write him based on a question that he's decided, based on a topic that he's decided. And he would come in and literally talk to us about his actual experiences, tell us what it was like. At, <clears throat> I can't remember exactly what companies he worked for, but he worked for some really big corporations, like global corporations. And he'd tell us how it was working at startups, how it was working at big corporations, how it was working for himself and running his own businesses. Um, and he, I learned a lot from him. Um, but then, yeah, going to uni again, you you are learning from people, yeah, business management who, like, no disrespect, but one of the women who was a lecturer of mine had a HR background and had worked in HR. And the top, the, the subjects she taught, I think, were related to that sort of side of business. But I just thought, like, you're teaching about business and you've worked in HR, and I'm not being derogatory. I'm sure people who work in HR, you can earn a very decent wage of it, and you do know a lot about the ins and outs of a business by working in HR, but it's just like, if you have um, ambitions of doing something else and you're learning from people who, like you say, have not really run businesses successfully, um, then it is a bit shit. But one one area, uh, obviously working at Ecom now, and I have done for sort of over two years now, that's something that I learned and enjoyed studying business when we did e-commerce modules and stuff. So that is actually one I often like think to myself, did I learn anything in my degree that's actually helped me in my jobs? And that is one thing is that I was really interested by online retail and e-commerce and those sorts of modules at uni and, and in A-level. Um, and that's why I think I was able to do well at my current company because it was actually something that interested me. But other than that, not much... Uh, no, yeah, it is. Fun. I think obviously it comes from maybe that your older A-level teacher being the exception, but if they were that good, they wouldn't be teaching it. They'd still be doing it. Exactly. Um, but yeah, and that's, it is, it's, is it like right in the sense that it's taken, a, this isn't like your fault, but it's the fact that like you've done three years at uni and it just, all it was one thing sparked your interest and that's what you've gone to do. It's not like it's actually taught you how to, that successfully run an e-commerce business, how to have conversations with people and things like all it is, it's like textbook shit, isn't it? It taught me that uh, Red Bull thing that I read last <laughs> week, actually. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it, I'm pretty sure I heard about that. Um, I think I actually, I, I think I was listening to a podcast the other week and it had that same story on, told slightly differently, yeah, the similar thing, that's how they got all their marketing. My version was correct. But... Um, what did you learn in S&C? What did I learn in S&C? How to teach someone how to squat. Right, that in all like intents and purposes, that is literally it. And that's one big thing about like it's being a coach. And I think I might have done one module on coaching, but you're doing it with. Oh no, you do work experience thing, but fuck it. I think that's just where I was being like uh, just a bit, of, bit of a bit of a de <laughs> yeah degenerate in that sense. I didn't really try in any of that, but most of the skills that you need, like you can technically you cannot be that good. Like You might not know that much about anatomy or biomechanics or... But if you're good with people, you will make it successful. Like, you will be successful as a PT. Um, don't, you do need a base knowledge. Like, you can be the fucking... Like, you're going to have the gist of the gab, but if you can't fucking tell your ass from your elbow, probably not going to make it that far. But I know from uni, kids that are 10 times smarter than me got amazing grades 
but you can't fucking hold a conversation with someone. And it's, yeah, I think that's the same for a lot of industries though. Anything client facing, anything with a client facing aspect, again, you don't have to be the most intelligent bloke in the world, intelligent woman in the world, but if you can hold a conversation, if you can find common ground with someone and build up a rapport, build up a relationship, then then you'll be sweet. Um, and I think with, with uni, I think there is pressure on a lot of A-level students to go um, and there is pressure put on them if you don't go to uni, what do you actually want to do? You know, what are you going to get a job in? And I just think people should know if you want to go to uni, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Don't let people tell you, oh, there's no point in going uni. You'll get yourself in debt. You'll do this. Go to university if that's what you've always wanted to do. If you you think your degree is going to help you. Likewise, if you don't want to go to university, don't go just because you don't know what else you can do because it's a lot of money to pay Although we're saying you don't pay back large amounts monthly, that's fine. But it's a lot of money to go to just get a degree because you don't know what you want to do. Yeah. Um, and I do think you you probably should, what this article was saying about the apprenticeships, there probably should be more of that. Because I know when I, when I was in A-level, I don't know what it was like for you at college, but all of the people that came in to speak to us about these sort of things were from UCAS, were people trying to convince you to go to university. I don't remember anyone coming in ever and talking about business apprenticeships or economics apprenticeships or even uh apprenticeships at Audi and Royal Mail you know like they do grad schemes for that they also do apprenticeships in that sort of thing where you can work your way up the ranks at a company and I think there needs to be a bit more of a push of that because I think a lot of people would take that route over uni but I don't think it's really spoken about enough yeah I suppose it's but that's the thing it's all about like having a higher educated like sort of society not that it necessarily benefits anyone in any way shape or form that being said though i did go uni because i didn't have a fucking clue what i wanted to do oh, sorry, right. i same reason i went college like i like my mates that i was close with then like, that i hung around with they didn't go to well actually no they did go to college but they would do like they were doing apprenticeships through college and things like that i didn't really know what i was doing i actually i didn't have a like i had this little of a clue i had do you know the difference between like B-Tech and A-Level is crazy? Mm. A-Levels are so much harder. Mm. I genuinely thought the difference was that B-Tech, you just done one subject and A-Level, you done four. And the reason I've done a B-Tech is because I was like, I can't think of four subjects I want to do now. Mm. I was going to do maths, science and PE and I couldn't think of a full subject. So I ended up just doing a B-Tech in sport. Fuck, I'm so glad I did. So glad like, I would have struggled. Mm. Um, but then when I went uni, I... Only reason I went is because my form tutor sat down with me. I didn't write a personal statement and I think I wasn't going to. He sat down and was like, look, write one, apply for a couple of unis, even if you apply for unis that your mates go to. He's like, because it's done then. And if you don't want to go, then you don't have to go. But yeah, like, I had no intention of going. Glad, like, very glad I did. This podcast wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for St. Mary's University. So I'm the same. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I really loved business at GCSE A-level. But what's a job in business? Like, I enjoy that subject, but what is a job in business? Like, there's so many things you can do in businesses. Um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I thought, uni sounds fun. I didn't really even want to go. Um, I then got my results, got accepted. I only actually decided to go uni when I saw I'd got accepted, because I had always just said, out like you, I just, for me, it was just, oh, I'll, I'll apply. I'll apply, I can't lose anything by applying. I then got accepted, sort of sat there. And I remember even me and my mates went out after results day, um, like right after results, we went out for a bite to eat or something. And they even said to me like, what are you gonna do? 
because I had never actually said I am going to uni and I got my results and I sat there and I just thought like, I just said, I think I'm going to go, fuck it. Um, fuck yeah. And then... Signed <laughs> the next three years of your life, fuck <laughs> it. Even when, uh, when my mum dropped me, I was like, I thought I was going to hate it. I remember driving in, she, her and my brother dropped me and I was just like, don't go. I, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to be here. Um, and I just, for some reason, going into the place, I just thought this... This is not what I thought it would be. I thought it looked shit, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't even want to go. And then obviously, first night went out, got pissed, <laughs> met Liam. <laughs> this is, this is and then, yeah, it just became for me. But I, I don't regret going one bit. I loved every minute of it. Um, and I think it does open doors. But likewise, I think if I hadn't gone, my life, apart from the people I met, my life would be the same in terms of work, I think. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that is that is one thing that I would say go to uni for because you will... You will meet people. You will do things like you get that little. You get that bit of independence, and it is. It's almost like you'll learn something. Yeah, the school of the school of life. The school of life. But, but you will. I think most people meet friends for life at uni. Friends that they stay in touch with for literally forever. Um, relationships start at uni with. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, like I said, it's relationships you get forever. I think maybe it's because when you're at university, you're at that level of maturity, and you're. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some of the antics got up to after night so I'm with a bit different. Do you remember the milk thing that time? <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, you're at that level of maturity, and it's in. Like, I've still, I'm still friends with like a lot of kids from school. Like my closest, like one of my closest groups of friends, um, outside of our uni lot. And then, but it's not like a lot. Of, I feel like a lot of school friendships and that they're situational. You're friends with them, and you think they're your best friends because you see them every day. And you spend so much time with them as a result of that. Obviously, you hang around outside of school and that as well. But when you get to uni, the friends you make are you or friends because you want to be friends yeah, with them. You decide to be friends. Yeah, you're like, ah, oh, you're cool. I want to hang around with you, or we get along. And then you end up spending every fucking day together anyway. That's but the thing. Like at rugby, you've got three or four teams, squads of, you know, how many people played rugby in our first year? Like eighty. You're not friends with eighty mm. people. 80 to 100 how many members it with tons yeah. you're not friends with all those 100 people you then pick out of that 100 people who you're actually going to be friends with selection. You, people you get along with <laughs> friend selection yeah but it's true um, but like I'm, I'm friends with some of my friends from school still as well but certainly I see my friends from uni a lot more regularly than my friends from school definitely mm. um, and I think that's the same for a lot of people especially if you live close together because obviously at uni often people meet that actually live quite far away and they still see each other, but it's less regular. But I think if you have friends that you meet at uni that live close enough to you, I think most people see them a lot. Yeah. Well, cheers to that. Yeah, cheers to that. Probably a good place to end. Yeah, that is it. Oh, yeah, we've got seven minutes. We've got a TikTok, guys, now. And an Instagram, I said earlier. Do you want to give them the app? So where can people find it, Bill? Uh, good question. <laughs> Fuck you. Know. I'll put this in the show notes. We'll, we'll put it. It'll be there. I think it's just at canon canon underscore co podcast no no uh, well no the tiktok is just at canon co podcast um, and the instagram I think is yeah at canon underscore co podcast Um, so yeah follow us on those interact like subscribe comment whatnot. Mm. and yeah yeah on apple spotify and youtube that's not